Hello and welcome back to the third place. We are escaping the digital world of Newgrounds Flash games and we are entering the sacred temple of a beloved all-time classic of Ocarina of Time. But before we get there, because there's a lot to be said about that one, I want to welcome back a good mutual, good friend, former guest of this show, uh, one Mr. Cameron. How are you doing tonight, Cameron? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me back on the show, man. Uh, li- listen, that our little Super Mario 64 episode, uh, thinking about that made me honestly very happy. That was such a fun time we had talking about a game that I think everyone had two cents on, but we still were able to provide our own unique perspective on the game, which... I think is an accomplishment in the year of 2023. Uh, so Definitely. I'm I'm happy to have you on for another game that's been talked about endlessly for 25 years. Uh, hopefully, we can provide our own unique spin on the on a game. Um, I hope so too. And this is a good a good sequel to the Mario 64 discussion. I think so. Oh, I I 100% agree. Also, I want to give a special shout out to you for that single you put out recently. I remember. Uh, thank you so I, much. I man. genuinely love that song and I love the music video that you did for it. Uh it's that nice warm blanket type song for me and I definitely catch myself listening to it when I'm just like, you know what? I need to just like lay back and feel feel the emotions. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you checking it out and you reached out to me at the time and and told me that you liked it and you shared it and everything. And that means a lot. So thank you. Yeah. So third place listeners, if you don't listen to it, I'm going to meet you in a dark alley and we're (laughs) going to have a talk. Um, But Cameron, you are a returning guest and you have now entered the next step of your third place guest quest, which is I'm (laughs) instead of asking you your game, your game history, I simply ask, what have you played since we last talked? Which was April, I believe. So, I know you, I know you have played some games, but what was on the docket for you in these past few months? It's funny. This year was such an amazing year for games, and most of what I played this year came out like twenty years ago. So, <laughs> that's, um, that's completely valid. Sometimes it just goes that way, but um, I. Got a PlayStation 2 this year, another one, obviously. Um, Hell yeah. And I started building up a little bit of a collection. And the first ones I kind of went for nostalgia itch-wise were the Tony Hawk games. And so I played all the way through three and four. Mm -hmm. And um, man, those games hold up so perfectly. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Three (laughs) may be my favorite of all time. The soundtrack, the, the maps, everything. So, so good. I like how you're you're like me in the sense of when I got my PS2 three years ago, I also my first game was Tony Hawk three. Um, oh yeah, it's gotta uh, be it, it. One because it was cheap, but also because I have very very special memories with that one. Um, it's like one of the earliest games I remember ever playing, and yeah, like it. I I always have I know four. Is a you know some people love four and some people have issues with four, but I also love four too. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, baby's first step to Tony Hawk Underground. It was they they definitely shifted up the formula a lot with four, but 
for what it is, I I think it's really fun. But three three, three is classic arcade perfection. Like there's you can't improve the formula more from there. I know everybody loves two, you know, but mm -hmm. for me, I think three is like the peak, especially of the original mm -hmm. uh, formula. But yeah, I uh, I'm glad we you got to relive some quality memories with that one. Definitely, I played uh, all the way through uh, Oblivion and all the way through Fallout Three, so I had a little Bethesda kick. Oh, uh, listen, that happens to the best of us. Uh, it does, especially with Oblivion, man. I'm obsessed with that game. I've played through it many, many times, and it was fun to to go back. It's funny because um, um, there's, I know the video essay is decried online, but there's one video essayist that I do like mostly because he's funny and i like his sense of humor uh mr nakey jakey on yeah and I know him. he he put out a video on bethesda like two days ago so i'm like oh that's perfect timing and what a coincidence oh, wow. <laughs> is it a good video or is it a, it's about saying why scathing it's it's one of his ex's outdated formula videos uh and it's bethesda's okay. bethesda's design is a decade outdated uh okay. mostly but he was All talking right. he was talking specifically about starfield not oblivion so i can see that and with everything the graphics and presentation of starfield being like very modern but then like the the skeleton of the game is super old i can see how it would really stick out mm -hmm. but i'll say i'm at least a decade outdated so <laughs> so that, bethesda games fit me perfectly so. uh yeah listen I I I can see the duct tape and the super glue holding Bethesda games together, but <laughs> like there's something magical inside Todd Todd Howard's leather jacket. Some like a little mine. Yeah, in his like little pixie dust that he sprinkles on his games, where I'm just like, you know what? There goes about fifty hours of my life. Yeah. Yep. And it happens many a time, and I am not afraid to admit it. Yeah, and of course, I played Tears of the Kingdom. I think when we left off last time, the last thing I said was, I'm about to go crawl into a hole and play that game. <laughs> oh, yeah? And I, and I did that, so <laughs> that happened. Yeah, and you, I, I saw your progression with your view on Tears of the Kingdom. Because <laughs> um, mm. if I remember correctly, you loved it at first, but now you've kind of, kind of, <laughs> had it changed your mind on it as the kind year went of. on well it's it's kind of a nuanced thing because look like the game is good right like i'm not yeah. i'm not saying the game sucks it yeah. actually doesn't suck at all it's actually really really well made mm -hmm. and the the ideas that they go for they actually nail them and they execute them really well mm -hmm. and there's some really ambitious really ambitious concepts in that game and they mm -hmm. most of it just works i guess my my issue with the game is when it is trying to be a zelda game i feel like it falls flat yeah and it's it's i just consider tears of the kingdom and breath of the wild like their own thing and the more i try to just separate them from the rest of the series the better off psychologically i am because if i if i try to if i try to compare them to the old games i just get frustrated because they're not what i want from a modern zelda game they just mm -hmm. aren't 
Yeah, and honestly, I think that's where my take is. Now, granted, I have not played Tears yet. I will eventually, but I have played Breath, and I've played Breath of the Wild a fair amount. Like, I put, I put my hours in, and I think they are not bad games in the slightest. Like, right. in terms of a video game, they are fantastic. Like, it has to be commended the level of nuance and thought that had to go into making a game that can be beaten in the first 15 minutes that is completely beatable in the first 15 minutes, but like still designing a game around that and making it feel natural and seamless, I think has to be commended and it has to be commended because it was made on the damn switch of all consoles. Like, yeah, there, there yeah. is like a level of craftsmanship that I have to acknowledge with Breath of the Wild, and I'm assuming Tears of the Kingdom. But like, I don't know if maybe I'm a grumpy old man, and we're definitely going to cover this. But like, they do not feel like Zelda games to me. They're like Mm-mm. they're open world games with a Zelda coat of paint on them and a Nintendo spit shine on top of them. I love that. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the the ways that it resembles a Zelda game are all very like superficial. Like mm-hmm. you collect rupees. Cool. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's you look on girl, the map, there's a castle on the map. Yeah. There's a there uh, Zelda. And, and that's another thing. The plot of tears of the kingdom. Uh, listen, Zelda's never been known for like some crazy, like deep lore. Shakespearean like, plot. Sure. But it's it's kind of a new low with the plot <laughs> and i was going in i actually was foolish enough going in to be like okay they're gonna really ramp up the plot breath of the wild had like no plot and this one is gonna have like this no it's it's basically it's it's almost more offensive than breath of the wild when it comes to the plot. <laughs> um but look it, it was really fun i i had a, a lot of fun with it but it it's just it's it's not it's not a Zelda game. It you yeah. can you can put rupees in it, you know, you can put Link in Zelda. You, you can, can even put, put Ganon in it, but it's not you can put not. Kakariko Village in there. Yeah. And I mean they got every little superficial reference cuz if you look at the map of the that version of Hyrule, like every location is named after something from the Zelda series. So there's like mm-hmm. tons of little meaningless callbacks, but mm-hmm. when you're looking at the heart of the game, it's just it's nothing like the old games so yeah i uh, yeah i hope that they they've said that that like breath and tears are going to be like that was their sort of they've finished it now i can't remember if they've also said they're going to keep the open world stuff i don't know like today they were just like oh yeah tears of the kingdom and uh yeah they Awanuma was like the next Zelda will not will not be a direct sequel to Tears and says Tears was the final form of this version of Zelda. Um yeah. I here's the thing, it's like I I know that you know Nintendo to certain people is a bad thing, but like he, when Nintendo puts all of their chips down, like they can make something special. And Absolutely. I know and Zelda is their prize little baby with mario like 
they're yep. gonna make sure that it's perfect in their eyes and i i can only hope that the future of zelda is like i i hope it's a callback to the older stuff because like that's i know breath of the wild was a response to skyward being so linear but like yep. maybe we we're a little too harsh on skyward i don't know like you're exactly right i mean that game is not the best zelda game but it's also not even close to being the worst but mm-hmm. what i want to say is uh, nintendo it seems like all their main franchises are we're going for like this maximalist thing like think about like smash ultimate the next game is inevitably going to have to be smaller is one but it's inevitably going to have to be scaled back you know mm-hmm. and if you think about mario odyssey being this huge um uh ode love letter to mario as a character in the history we're we're going for like this maximalist thing so inevitably the next sort of generation of all these titles it's gonna have to be more refined scaled back and that's what i want uh for zelda mm-hmm. sure keep the open world thing but i don't want a, a sandbox physics game anymore like i i want an adventure game you know mm-hmm. with with a plot that drives me forward i want dungeons i want dungeon items mm-hmm. you know I, I i miss all that stuff that's what made me fall in love with the series and mm-hmm. and 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 I, I just i think i got my hopes up too much with tears of the kingdom and i mean mm-hmm. the day before release or a couple of days it was like um revealed that oh yeah the this game actually has temples dungeons and i was <laughs> like oh my god and i should i mean i should have known it's my fault but uh the dungeons in tears of the kingdom are basically just like corners of the overworld and i mean you one of the dungeons i remember basically i just climbed my way to the the ending i mean it, it, it when you build a, a a world and all these physics where you can climb everything it sort of breaks the whole concept of dungeons you know and mm-hmm. so i get why they didn't do them in breath of the wild but i don't know it's just a lot of disappointment with tears of the kingdom coming from a zelda fan standpoint coming yeah. like look at looking at it at a game design perspective it, it's a master class in a sense literally literally it, and i and it deserves look it i think it deserves the 10 out of 10 maybe 9.5 10 out of 10 <laughs> but but i'm i'm too attached to to zelda and mm-hmm. i know what i like when it comes to zelda and mm-hmm. i just i was i was a bit a bit let down no, if you're a Banjo and Kazooie nuts and bolts fan, Tears of the Kingdom is the oh, greatest yeah. sequel ever made. <laughs> the true sequel, absolutely. <laughs> and you can build some wild stuff in that game, man. It's if you like engineering type stuff and build it, like it's it's really neat. So it's it's the greatest game of all time. Maybe I heard something about some college course was using it as like an engineering. <laughs> uh, example like they're gonna have the students build stuff and i i get it because there's so much it gives you so much freedom with with what you can build there's so many little tools and pieces and it's it's fun if you like that sort of thing it's it's super super fun so. yeah i mean that's like when colleges started using minecraft so i'm not shocked yeah. that like there's a new generation of that sort of thing it's just i i'm I'm done with the open world Zelda. I I want my familiar, <laughs> I want my familiarity slop. I want my like linear adventure all over again. <laughs> really, and I think uh, the industry as a whole, we've just 
we've gotten so many open world sandbox games. Hey, you can climb that mountain over there, you know? And it's just like, that was, that was 10 years ago. That was like starting to get old. And now it's just like every other game that's announced follows that formula. And it's like, we want our, we, we don't, we kind of want to be pushed in a line now we want, you know, because that facilitates, uh, more depth to the mm-hmm. to the story and to the experiment or the experience and i i'm i'm ready for more linear stuff i, that, I yeah. think a lot of gamers are so yeah i think so too i mean that's a whole can of worms in of itself but yeah listen i'm getting older with every day and i don't got time to be mm-hmm. playing you know insert here copy paste ubisoft open world game oh god that's meant to be played for like years and it's the only thing you care about simulator mm-hmm. i i just want 300 hours yeah 300 dollars. uh all i want is like linear ass games gta can be online or open world i don't care it 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 can be the only one for my <laughs> my books nowadays yeah, split so, yeah. in the right GTA yeah. 3 changed the whole industry so it earned yeah. that's okay you know that, I mean? that's okay but anyone else you better stop it right now yeah Zelda we don't need Zelda GTA you know we, we, <laughs> we need the classic vibe back. yeah exactly and speaking of cl- uh, uh, or before we get into that was there any other greatest hits you played before to, as of today December 10th well I've played a fair bit of um super mario wonder um, nice i'm a nice. pretty big mario guy um mm-hmm. it it's fine right it's it's it about be- what i it, expected is it better than the new series the new super mario brothers uh it is, okay, it is but that's not a that's not much of a, not saying much yeah but um it it is it's it's much more inspired it's more fun the physics the like the way mario controls and stuff is a lot tighter um it's it's good i I would give it like a maybe an eight if i was feeling generous out of 10 but that's the best eight out of 10 game yeah but um (laughs) it was cool so yeah uh, that's that's about all i can say that's fine Uh that's fine it's listen i i always love talking me some games and it's nice it's fun to hear what people have played through the year if they got time even if it's one thing like it's always nice to talk about stuff um but to go off what you were saying about familiarity um in a sense this is kind of like a normally as i'm sure the listeners are aware i usually do like here's a discussion and then we talk about the game but this is kind of like a broad like whole discussion if it were will be about ocarina sort of like it's kind of a big zelda topic i guess you could say and ocarina of time is like this it's one of these games that has become like a myth in of itself where if you are like me or cameron any internet user you've heard about someone talking about ocarina of time as this mythological game that defined history itself basically where any other game that came out afterwards including games in in its own franchise like uh it it kind of wrote wrote the book apparently for a lot of people about how a video game should progress like and zelda has this weird 
power over people where it is both a cultural event when Zelda comes around every so often, every four to five years and people, it is the only thing to which people will measure the rest of the industry with. And Ocarina is like the peak of this, obviously. So I wanted to kind of briefly touch upon this unique factor that Ocarina and Zelda as a whole has where like the game and the franchise itself feel bigger than just a game and a game franchise. So as someone you've told me, you know, you're someone who's very acutely aware and fan of Zelda. Like, why do you think Zelda has obtained this status for so many people? Ocarina of Time specifically or the series as a whole? I, you know, whatever you feel like. I mean, I feel like either um, way, we're going to get into big Zelda talking tonight. I think Zelda has been the most consistently amazing franchise in the medium of video games. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, there's a lot up there, but I think there's clearly a, a one number one spot. And I think that it goes back to the eighties with the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something completely different. And the people that were lucky enough to experience it back then, they got some, a kind of experience that was never available before. And well, people the, were. Yeah. the uh, I mean, the first Zelda game came on a gold cartridge. Like, like that already set it completely different from other games. Like, and subsequently the franchise as a whole. Like, it was like this mythical object, you know, once you took it out of the box, you know. mm -hmm. Every other NES game was gray, and this one is like, you could see your reflection in it. You know what I mean? (laughs) I could see the man inside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh... It's. You you are right. It is one of the most, if not the most consistent franchise, maybe in the whole history of games, which is like, it's rare to even get like a sequel to be on the level of the original. It's not even a guarantee for some franchises, but Zelda, I mean, if I'm to be nitpicky, the sequel, you know, Adventure of Link, you know, it was an, it was an experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, to put it to put it lightly, but like, like in terms of the main, like I'm not going to be speaking about the, all the like spinoff games because there's way too many to, to list off. But yeah. you know, Link Between, Link to the Past, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wild, and Tears of the Kingdom. Like, I know that people are like tribalistic with their defense of their favorite Zelda. Like I have my favorite Zeldas much like anyone has their favorite Zeldas, but I think everyone can agree that there is a level of quality that is present. Like we can all like nitpick Zelda games, like what we think is not good and what is good, but we always will hold this franchise into a higher regard than anything else, even other Nintendo franchises where it's, I mean, I remember cognitively, you know, when, when, when my brain had been molded out of the Play-Doh that it was as a young kid and being like, 
oh skyward sword is coming out everyone's talking about it that's you know this this really crazy game with the motion controls and it's got like this beautiful art style and ever like it's the only thing everyone talks about and when it comes out it's like oh 10 out of 10 9 9.5 like it is the measuring stick for every other game that came out and it's the only other franchise that i think has this amount of pull is grand theft auto mm. where everyone i mean and mario like where everybody knows about it yeah. where like even your parents have heard about it Mm-hmm. and you know if you have like kids or nephews or nieces like they are cognizant of a zelda in their life yeah it's generational and, and i think it's also a franchise that like even if you're not a gamer you know i say that with uh loving words not disgust um you're even present you're even like aware of older zelda games because especially you know like the attention span of zoomers which last about five seconds like even they are aware of ocarina of time and like link to the past and wind waker and all this stuff it's i i don't know what it is about this franchise that has like it established itself so to, to a pedigree that other others can't even muster in a trilogy let let alone like you know two games you know i can think of like game franchises that like you know for like tony hawk tony hawk became it was like a meteoric rise and then a slow you know trend to the (laughs) trend to the dumpster yeah or you know depending on who you are final fantasy is like a heart rate monitor yeah um or mm-hmm. you know silent hill where it's like here's the first three games and then silent hill 4 comes out it's like whoop whoop we're going down the slide um i and i mean zelda's had its ups and downs right it's every every game is not like an 11 out of 10 masterpiece but on the mm-hmm. whole you just the consistency is just evident it's mm-hmm. um and that's what makes it generational is like you know the mm-hmm. The, the quality is the same generally it's it they're always going for something new something mm-hmm. groundbreaking um but also sort of sticking to the roots which i think which is what tears of the kingdom and breath of the wild were missing the most is sticking to the roots but they're, mm-hmm. they're it's um you you kind of know what you're getting into as far as quality and so mm-hmm. um that's what's made it this prestige level. I think maybe it is the most prestigious sort of series. And mm-hmm. it's like a generational thing, you know, father, mm-hmm. son, grandson. I'm mm-hmm. sure there's plenty of those examples at this point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. Every Zelda game has like, to some people, they would call it a gimmick. But like, even then, those mechanics are in service of something really different that is happening at the time i mean link to the past has the world switching mechanic which still blows my mind like Mm. even though it's you know a 16-bit game like the fact that i could swap to a different an inverse version of high rule to low rule that's yeah low rule or ocarina just making a 3d adventure game or majora having the 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 countdown clock or uh 
Wind Waker with the art style, Twilight Princess with, I guess, also a more mature Zelda style and the wolf mechanic, Skyward Sword, <laughs> Skyward Sword, having the motion controls, Breath of the Wild having the complete, you know, upheaval of tradition. Like, there's always something new and maybe comes off as gimmicky, but like, it's there to kind of uh, put a new perspective on Zelda. Like, I think that's why people have such defensive takes on every Zelda game, because I think every sort of quote unquote gimmick hits differently with people. Like, yeah, I know you, I think you've said Ocarina's your favorite. You know, like I have always loved Majora. Um, uh, I've loved a Majora and and Wind Waker. Those are my two, and and also Link to the Past. Like those are my, like I think those are prestigious. Like, uh, not to diss Ocarina, I still think it's like literally like finding like little minuscule details that I like. I prefer this over that sort of thing. Not to like diminish Ocarina in my example, but. Sure. You know, Majora with its like creepy and depressing atmosphere and just dread. And the time mechanic is like experiencing that for the first time is like, oh, I feel, I feel what the characters are feeling pain, yeah. um, existential dread. Yeah. And then Wind Waker just for being like a whimsical journey across the ocean. Like, I, yeah. I just have a soft spot for like games with ocean settings. Like, I can't. It's a beautiful game. Mm-hmm. And I it's like my favorite design of Link too. Just that like gremlin little scrimbo scrimblo <laughs> bimblo character design of him. Yeah, I love how expressive he is. Like the facial expressions are great. And then I like Link to the Past just because I think it's such a cool premise of a game where it's like, oh, I do I do this thing and then suddenly an alternate version of the world has been under my feet the entire time and like there's so every game and I guess to focus on Ocarina and its sort of status I'm sure you you know you and I are roughly the same age I think um there was a time on the internet where like ocarina was you pretty much considered by a lot of people the greatest game of all time like Mm -hmm. and it only was within the like a decade ago when people were starting to challenge that opinion like i don't like what i don't know if you have a take on it because you're more in tune with nintendo than i think i am but what made ocarina this mythological game to you like or what made you what makes you think people got this perception of it you think i think it's um a few different reasons i think um we look back to super mario 64 and we talked about last time how they sort of effortlessly translated an established 2d formula into 3d and it works so well right off the bat and i think it's the same thing with ocarina of time this was um, a formula that they had established with uh, technically three games links awakening link to the past and uh, original and and so they had like this 
blueprint already, but all of a sudden this 3D console comes along and it's like, how are we going to make this work and be compelling with this new dimension? And I think they did the same thing they did with Mario. They worked a long time to make sure it was right. And, and it, and it ended up being like the first immersive 3D adventure game that a lot of gamers played. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that alone resonated with a lot of people. That that was the first time they were having an adventure to, to that degree with that much depth in three dimensions. And so I think that really probably stuck with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also think just the the pacing of the game, the music and the atmosphere, it made everything in the game feel very iconic and very memorable. Um, mm-hmm. Every location in the game has a very strong sense of place. Um, the, the, the music, I, I could go on and on, but it, 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 I think it really stuck with people. And I think every track on the Ocarina soundtrack has become like an internet meme in one form or another mm-hmm. just because of how iconic and music really sticks with people as far as memory goes mm-hmm. um it, it, it attaches to people um mm-hmm. and so i think everything in that game is very memorable um mm-hmm. every location um all the the music um the characters um so i, I think it's like you could use a corny word, but I think it's like very unforgettable. The game is. Yeah. And, you, and, and another thing is, you know, that game really made you stop and think a lot. It's a, it's a thinking man's a, game. It's a, I didn't want to say it, but you said it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a thinking man's game. And, and in modern games, it's like, how can we keep the momentum going at all times how can we keep a sense of motion but ocarina is all about like okay i'm stuck in this dungeon it's been four hours and i'm walking around trying to figure out but it but but it 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 worked it's like it was so satisfying to sort of make your way through these and they had never done the 3d space and so this was all brand new but it just worked so well and so Mm -hmm. spending so much time in these areas it mm. it made them you, you you connected with these these spaces and and um all of this stuff i guess what i'm getting at is it's such a memorable experience from top to bottom mm-hmm. um that i think it really sealed itself mm-hmm. as um important right away and and like i said people hadn't really played an adventure game unless you're you know on pc but uh you know home console gamers really hadn't ever seen anything like this yeah so i think what makes me step back and realize for one 1998 when this game came out this was a landmark year for games like here are 10 games that came out that year. Banjo-Kazooie, Panzer Dragoon Saga, granted no one played that because I was on the Saturn, but <laughs> uh, StarCraft, uh, Grim Fandango, Resident Evil 2, Metal Gear Solid, Half-Life, the original Gran Turismo, Tekken 3, like... Huge and, year. Yeah, the 
Xenogears, Spyro, the dragon came out, um, Tenchu, like, yeah, this, this, this was when a... that generation really started cooking. Yeah. You know? And to be, I mean, even if like Ocarina was like a great, but not like legendary game, I, that would have been an accomplishment of itself. Like looking back at that year, but in my book, like most people, the average person, if they're like not as insane like I am with gaming, they'd be like, oh yeah, Metal Gear Solid and Ocarina of Time. Like to be amongst Metal Gear Solid as a game that like people hold in prestigious matter, I think really speaks highly of it and shows why people, you know, people loved it. Now, granted, it is a case of here's the Sony console game that everyone remembers. And here's the Nintendo console game. Everyone remembers that year. And I think for, a, I think this is a case of like what path you chose as a kid growing up, you know, much like when, when you pick your console, you're like picking your future, so to say. And, you know, for a lot of people who are in N64 kids to be exposed to a game like this, where, like you alluded to earlier, Zelda's never been like a franchise known for like prestigious Shakespearean writing, but to be presented a game where this is a three-dimensional world and there's stakes involved, there's this grandeur, this maximalist like thing that is happening while I am playing the game and it takes place across a large span of time where goddesses and sages are involved and these very big concepts are presented to a lot of young people, I think really kind of leaves an implant on people where, and then I think also just because of that era too, where this was an era where games were getting bigger, not in the sense of size alone, like the concepts were getting bigger, the stories were getting bigger, the mechanics were getting bigger. Everything was, the stakes had been raised on a level that they hadn't before. I mean, we're literally in adding another dimension to the presentable space. Right. And I think, you know, I think Ocarina's legend was definitely elevated because millennials had reached the age that to which they were getting really nostalgic for like, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And so Ocarina was like, yeah, this is the game that I remember playing. And I had so many distinct memories and all that. Yeah, but I. Here's the thing: it's one thing to be nostalgic for something, and then realizing it's not a good it. It hasn't aged gracefully in terms of just how it feels to play. Ocarina has not aged one bit, except for a few things, I would say, but doesn't distract from the experience. But the fact that you can play Ocarina today and it feels like the back of your hand has only made the case for its status for people even stronger i think absolutely like no i mean the game inspired just mechanics wise it inspired like you said earlier inspired generations and generations after it i mean dark souls and elden ring are basically you know zelda games i know that's 
that's probably an insult to some people, but <laughs> I mean, the, the movement, the, the, the Z targeting, if you will, um, just the, the grandiose nature of 3d boss battles. Um, there, I mean, there's so much that so many games to this day take from Ocarina of Time. And so of course it's going to feel, it's still going to feel very fresh. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Um, and going back to what you said earlier, the plot and the lore of this game are, it's like the definition of like epic, you know, because Skyward Sword is always noted as like the origin game, but Ocarina actually like shows the creation of the universe and everything. And it's like, it, it feels so like biblical. This game feels like you're reading the Bible sometimes because it's like <laughs> the scope is so huge in this game. I mean, mm -hmm. and um, I think there's a reason that this game sort of splits the Zelda timeline. And there's mm -hmm. a reason why the events of this game feel so consequential to the series as a whole. Like yeah. this, this is like the center of Zelda lore, this game. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I think it, people have to remember like a PlayStation one CD could hold like 700 megabytes. And the, at the time, that's a lot of information. The N64 cartridge could only hold 32. Like, and somehow Ocarina feels like such a gigantic game. Like, it's kind of insane. If I, and I'm speaking of someone who has like a baby's understanding of game, how to make a game, to think that they fit all of this game inside of a little 32 megabyte cartridge blows my mind. Like, it is mm -hmm. such a, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but. I think that's also thing that has helped Ocarina's like legacy is the fact that it is such a ginormous thing and it was held within such a tiny little tiny little thing and I think it it's Ocarina's like legacy is so like it, it's such a perfect little thing and I like how when people were quote unquote felt brave to challenge the, the the narrative of this game their their first criticism was it takes too long in certain places like mm. you know i have to do so much waiting and i don't think don't get me started on that ego rap yeah i knew i man. knew listen i was hoping you oh, knew my. listen i ho i hoped you knew what i was referencing absolutely man all that waiting oh it's like um there are more important things that going guy, on that guy's really good at complaining all day long i can tell you that much but um no man uh, <laughs> this game is dude the waiting it's like it's he's talking about like cutscenes, like and then he's talking about like the the combat it's like i can't just spam attack and like i i have to wait until the shield goes down that sucks and it's like dude <laughs> play, have you ever played a souls game like every i don't know it's just yeah. it's interesting at, at best i'll say yeah but that, that's it, out to ego raptor <laughs> he's a great an he was a great animator maybe not the best when it comes to knowing what goes in a video game but hey he was entertaining on the the tester if anyone remembers the tester 
Oh, um, and he he was on Newgrounds too to jump back to your previous yeah, episode. Exactly. Let's hey, it's connective tissue between the last two the last episode. Hey, continuity. Yeah. yeah. It all it all works out. See, I plan these things out. Mm. Um, <laughs> um but yeah, it it is I think a testament to Ocarina and also Zelda because you once you've played once you've played a Zelda, you see Zelda everywhere, really. Like, like yeah. as you briefly mentioned there, the Souls games are just adult Zelda games, really. Yeah. At, at their core, like hell, even Z targeting made its made its way into that game. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think you know it the going off what you said, it's kind of biblical in the sense of like Zelda kind of writes the the sort of under the way we, in which we percept you know, which we think a game should progress. Like, here's our, here's how the first act of the game goes. Here's how the second act goes. And here's how you climax the game. Like, and yeah. it has enough nuggets sprinkled around here to like, let you absorb in everything that is happening. It doesn't have to explain everything to you, but your sensory, your senses can let you fill in the blank. And I think that's true with every Zelda, even the, ones that are not like perfect masterpieces like ocarina even like they still let you kind of become the inhabitant of the world i think that's also why people have such a strong connection to zelda is like even even the original game with its you know art you know i don't say this in a negative way but archaic presentation and archaic gameplay people still find a way to connect themselves with link as a character you know (laughs) You know, he was called Link because he's a link between you and the game. Oh, shocker. Um, yeah. But, like, e- the fact that that was present even in 1985 is, or 85, 86, I can't remember the exact year that came, came I out. I think it's but, 86. Yeah. yeah um, but the point being is, like, there is the, the special sauce of Zelda was not special just to Ocarina, but like it's been present there. I think Ocarina is just like this is like when people had grown up with games in their life, and therefore they look when thing when games were in the troubled spot in the seventh generation, they're like I'm going back to the past to play the good games that don't suck ass. Um, <laughs> uh, if anyone knows that reference, you get a brownie point for me. Um, <laughs> but it, I think Ocarina also, I'm just like listening off. I don't want I think we might just transition into talking about Ocarina, but I think also just another thing to say why Ocarina's gained the time is that it understood game design at a time which game design was still being figured out in the third dimension. Absolutely. Um, I don't know about you, but I kind of just want to get properly into the Ocarina talk. So I think maybe this is the best time to say, hey, let's, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. How does that sound? It's time. Let's do it. Let's, let's talk about the biggest boy of of them all, uh, which is the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time.
Also, so. proud of myself for I don't know how many weeks in a row mentioning Tekken again as I am wearing my Tekken pants. Yes, that's awesome. You got the king pants from Tekken 3, baby. <laughs> that's incredible. He's, uh, he had the, the swag, man, back then. The drippiest of drip. He was dripped out, yeah. Uh, I have the shirt, too, but the shirt's a little small for me. Okay. Uh, it was made for much slender people. Gotcha. Um, now I just need his shoes, then I complete the look. <laughs> Which, granted, I don't know what the shoes are, unfortunately. If you know what the shoe type are, let me know. I don't know, some old Reeboks or something. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to personally email Harada and be like, what shoes did he yeah. wear? <laughs> um, but yeah, Legend of Zelda, the Oc- Ocarina of Time, uh, came out in North America, November 23rd, 1998, for the Nintendo 64. As we alluded to in this first part of the episode, um, to say that this game changed a lot for a lot of people is an understatement. This was when Zelda made its transition to 3D uh, after Mario. This was, you know, this game was famous for having five directors on top on it, uh, which is kind of nuts in hindsight. I believe this game took five years to make, which was crazy back in the 90s. Uh, It was like planned originally for the disk drive edition add-on, the 64DD. You know, so you could already tell that they had big ambitions for this game. Um, Yeah, what do you think of Ocarina of Time, Cameron? Um, I'll tell you a little story. Um, my grandfather collected change in, in these big, like, um, if you think of like an office water cooler, those big jugs, and he would throw pennies and whatever pocket change he had into them. And one point he gave me, uh, one of these big jugs full of change. And I was, <laughs> I was, you know, seven, eight, whatever years old. And it was like the most money I'd ever had back in those days. If you wanted to do anything with change like that, you had to roll it. So I bought, or my mom bought for me a bunch of, you know, change rollers and I rolled all of that change. And with that money, we went to Walmart and I got to buy a game. And I remember seeing an ad for Ocarina on TV. It was the ad with like the music from like Conan the Barbarian or something. It was Mm -hmm. that original TV spot and it just sold me on the game. And so I was there at Walmart eyeing that game. I remember it was $59.99 or whatever. And um, the Walmart employee like came up to me and I, you know, I was like, oh, I'm thinking about getting this game. And he was like, Oh, what? Check, check this one out. Why don't you get this one? And he points to Glover. And, and I was like, uh, I haven't heard of that one. And I had him take both games out so I could look at the back. And he was trying to sell me on Glover. I don't know what, I don't know if he worked for, for Hasbro Interactive or what, but he was really trying to get me to buy Glover. But I was like, no, I'm going to get Zelda. <laughs> this is the one I really want. 
and thank God, um, thank God I did. Oh my god, that is such a bizarre thing to recommend to someone. Yeah, buy Glover, kid. I mean, I'm I'm a little kid, right? I guess that's what he's thinking. Oh, this game's gonna be too too much for him or something. I don't know, but yeah, you're just a stupid little baby. You don't you're not I know. ready for this big kid shit. I guess so, but I was like, screw you, man. I'm getting I'm getting Zelda and, and <laughs> the rest is history. But um <laughs> I can't stop like finding that hilarious. I mean, I mean, I guess he recommended you the better version because the N sixty four version of Glover's better. But like to say that Glover was better is a stretch, <sighs> even in nineteen ninety eight when like the legend of Ocarina Time hadn't been like fully created yet. Like, yeah, that is. Insane. Well, and I just imagine how different the course of my life would be if I got Glover that day. Instead of <laughs> We'd be talking about Glover 64 today. <laughs> I don't know what kind of person I'd be, and it kind of freaks me out to think about it. So, but um, no, so I got Ocarina and took it home and fell in love with it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Everybody at school was playing it, you know, mm-hmm. all my buddies had it, and it was just like, it was like, a zeitgeist thing everybody was talking about it talking about all the secrets and everything and mm-hmm. great great time mm-hmm. for sure yeah. so yeah i'm trying to approach this in a manner of which that like because everyone has said their two cents about ocarina it's it's impossible to say the standard things because like everyone's talked about it to some fashion or not but like as I mentioned earlier, this is like 1998, and I think that's where you really have to put your head in when you're playing this. If you've never played it, and like you play it in 2023, I think you people will be like, what was so special about this? And why is this so groundbreaking and so legendary? I mean, you have to remember of like this is still 3D, early days 3D, where the rules were still not fully written yet. And what we expect in a game that is in the third dimension hasn't been like clearly defined. We're only getting like hints of what could be like some Mario 64, for example, like we're only getting a taste of what could be our future in this new wild, wild west of gaming. And I think for a lot of people, I mean, it's it's very similar in a way of how like metal gear made people aware of like oh this is a game that's telling a story and like it's a i'm going on some adventure along the way granted zelda ocarina and metal gear solid are not similar in the journeys you go on but they are very similar in their goals which was to take players beyond what they could expect a game to take them you know metal gear solid was about putting you in the shoes of a covert, you know, operation sneaking around and being the greatest soldier of all time, trying to stop the <laughs> America from being nuked in yeah. Zelda. You're a young boy who is destined for greatness basically. And he is, you know, basically the one who will save the world. And, you know, the fact that you as a player are attached to link as he is a young boy and you have to see this sort of prophecy to the end as he becomes an adult, I think 
revolutionized people's perception of like, oh, wow, I went somewhere. I came, I went to, to a location and I came back. Like, it's yeah. this full, full encompassing journey. Like, I'm take a shot if I say adventure journey throughout this <laughs> game because it, episode because it's going to be like repeated over, but it, it it bears repeating. You know, to when you boot up the game and you're just presented with this sort of like idyllic world in the in the village that Link resides in, he, you can already tell that he's different. He doesn't have a fairy like he's the boy without a fairy, and you know, he goes on in a, on his like little quest to the great Deku tree. And even like that opening dungeon, like you just are presented something that is so radically different than you're expected. You're given this like location that is full of like history and mystery and monsters that are scarier than you probably could imagine a game could have. And you're there to sort of fill out a destiny of getting these stones and meeting princess Zelda and all this stuff. And it's all thrown it to you in the very first few hours of the game. And, you know, as someone back in the day to experience that for the first time must've just been groundbreaking, even if it's not new and original for Zelda itself, you know, I think seeing this in a new perspective change people's minds like in a radical way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, 3d again, I mean, metal gear and Zelda, it's like the cinematic sort of vision that just wasn't possible before, you know, um, you're, you, you know what the feeling of watching a movie is like, and then all of a sudden you can get that same feeling when you're playing a video game and the story is told to you in such a beautiful cinematic way that it's, it's compelling in a way that that just wasn't possible before. Mm -hmm. And therefore it elicits more emotion. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Like, I know like on paper to an average person, it's like, you know, when you build, you have that like cute and sweet little moment with Saria at the start, but like to see that like relationship change throughout the game as you, you fast forward in time and she's one of the sages, like that is still such a new concept to people to see like the story is not just kind of like, happening over the course of a day it's not happening over the course of like a week in a game you know think of like resident evil 2 where it takes place over the course of like two days i think yeah in ocarina this is a seven year you know mythological biblical heroic tale that you're going on where it you know you start off in a little village nestled away in this land of hyrule and by the end of it, you are saving this world full of these many characters that you lead, lead along the way who are all very different. They're not like different, you know, they're not like Shakespeareanly written or anything, or they're not like super in depth with their own traumatic backstories. That's for Majora. But to like know that these are the lives of the people that like 
are in your hands and like you are going to protect them and save them from the tyranny of Ganon, I think is it's such a it's such a true message that I think a lot of people can res- resonate with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the different characters you meet kind of um, the main ones, when you go to the different areas of the game kind of represent different things. Like the Gorons represent like brotherhood and friendship. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Zora uh, Rudo, the princess represents like romantic love and, and uh, romantic attachment. And then, you go to um, the Gerudo and that's where it represents uh, like sex because she keeps commenting on how handsome of an adult he is. And there's even some line that's like clearly suggestive. And so it's like, (laughs) it's like this, this journey, you know, where you're learning about these different facets of life and these, the different sort of types of people you are going to encounter in your real life, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. what, what the meaning and what the importance of each type of person is. It's really interesting. Like if I'm looking at like a fan wiki of all the characters in the game and like, I think this is something that only this era of game could really elicit unless like an indie game were to aspire for this look. But like, there is such a beautiful charm in the character models, even where they're all so distinct and so charming to look at and they all have like just a different like just attach you to them in different ways like you know i could look at um what is it uh i can look at malin from lon lon ranch or i could see like the happy mass salesman or i can think of you know saria or mito from you know kokiri forest or (laughs) um (laughs) like uh i'm trying to i'm just like scrolling through them because there's a lot of characters some of them don't even have specific names um yeah you know you got you know guy who owns the treasure shop is his name or running man um but like there is a it's i feel like the simple like just the like blocky nature and the sort of simplistic nature allows me to connect to them even if their troubles and tribulations are simple at their core, like there's a level of like, there's no artifice getting in the way of me connecting with these characters and wanting to do right for them or fix their, one of their many, you know, minor inconveniences throughout their daily life. Like it's, it doesn't become like a chore to do, but rather I'm doing this because I enjoy what you bring to my journey. It's like, there's it Zelda Ocarina of Time just kind of fun just it operates on just like classic storytelling and it's not about like here's like this you know adult you know nuanced look at like a fantasy world in strife and these characters have layers and meanings behind them yeah, at the end of the day, you're just a boy who wants to, you know, save the world. And that's all you need to get propelled into everything. Like, you know, the Gorons trying to, you know, like in the beginning of the game, you're just like helping their plight of moving a big boulder or whatever. Yeah. Like it's it's so charmingly simple, but like you're just like, damn, I'm gonna help these big boulder boys. Yeah. 
and it mirrors life, man, because, you know, I mean, you're going to meet a lot of people in your life that, you know, you're going to play some role in their life and they're going to end up playing some kind of role in yours. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the characters in Ocarina of Time are simple, but very charming. And the story is just there, like just enough to, to be compelling and, Mm-hmm. and propel you forward it's not overbearing but there's mm-hmm. also a lot of subtext mm-hmm. there if you're interested you know it's mm-hmm. it's um it's kind of the perfect balance you know so I, ocarina is such a great allegory for just growing up like i think this yes. is something you and i were backing for thing like a few days ago and i think a lot of people can agree is like ocarina really just kind of captures the feeling of growing older and getting you know growing up going you know young link's biggest issues are like the kids in the kokiri forest like messing with him and then like you know even the structure of the game is like simpler where it's like oh you just have to find the three stones to like you know progress the story but then once you become an adult and the world has been sapped of its life and energy and all the problems are much more quote unquote real than they yeah. were before. And now instead of three temples you have to do, now you have like is it six. I can't remember. It's six temples, right? Or uh, yeah, forest, dungeons. Fire, water, shadow, spirit, five. Yeah, okay, five. And then I guess Ganon Castle, if you count that as one. Um yeah. but yeah, like now suddenly the game is like more complex on a literal level that you can actually like numerically define. And yeah. it's, it's again, it's not like n- nuanced per se, but if you do look for it, it is there. And I think that's why another reason why people hold this so in high regards, because it's like now they're the adult link going back, you know, to think of the, you know, quote unquote, better days. They're nostalgically looking back when things were simpler and all that stuff, you know, uh, to pull out my lit, my, my college reading, uh, <laughs> Uh, analysis uh, glasses out Um, but it's still like you look at other Zeldas that follow it like where they have a more involved story as involving as Zelda gets like I look at Twilight Princess where it's presenting this more quote unquote adult take on Zelda as adult as Zelda will ever get um but it's still using the backbone of Ocarina to tell its story. Like, you know, yeah. Ocarina is the blueprint for everything that follows it, not literally in its own franchise. Uh, Midna cannot change the fact, cannot persuade you any differently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's referential to Ocarina, the, the, the guy that teaches you all the moves, the skeleton soldier guy that teaches you all the the moves in Twilight Princess is supposedly supposed to be Link from Ocarina of Time. Damn, so, I didn't. Yeah. Even, I didn't even consider that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's supposed to be the the hero of time. Yeah, um, so that's pretty interesting. But, but no, one... I mean, there you go. Sorry, uh, it's you know, I just think, um, and then another thing is this: the the plot of Ocarina is so insular, like. It, it other Zelda games are always sort of referencing back, like um, 
like Twilight Princess, like we said, and uh, Ocarina is is so um, insular and like you don't have to play any of the other games in the series. It's a complete like self-contained thing, right? And I mm -hmm. think that that really adds a lot of value to it. Um, it's not constant. It's not a sequel to anything, and it's not you know this is the game that sort of stemmed all the other ones. So mm -hmm. I think it it's it's valuable for that reason. So mm -hmm. yeah, it like there's so many parts of like Ocarina that just feel like there's so much thought put into it for such a, at a time when like really games were very you you were still getting like arcade like experiences you know where zelda is so thought out ocarina is so thought out and so willing to show things or make you experience some things that require challenges or might terrify you or might confuse you or might just make you think what the hell is going on like i guarantee you and maybe you can uh confirm this or not but like the re-deads, like seeing the re-deads for the first time, like fucking scared me. Like <laughs> I was like, I was this, so this scared, man. The re-deads, and then like you know, in the water temple, right where you face off against uh, Dark Link, mm -hmm. like, and Dark Link is this weird kind of like in this like ethereal landscape of water, and yes. it's just it's so like just mess. It, it's not like mind bending, but it just kind of is like, whoa, this is out of nowhere. Like, yeah, it's it's like um totally out of place in that that dungeon, and and it is like you walk in, it's like a painting, mm -hmm. you know. And and the way that um they introduce Dark Link to is just such a, it's just insane, you know, because you're walking across and you walk across this little oasis, this little island in the middle, and your shadow disappears, you know, and mm -hmm. your, um, your reflection in the water and you reach mm -hmm. the other end of the room and look back and he's like standing there waiting for you. It's just, you know, something you just totally, we can get into the water temple a bit whenever you're ready, but <laughs> oh, I have a few comments he, about that. You, but... you have a hot take. I know about the water. I, do, temple. Uh, I guess it's fair. Um, what's your favorite dungeon in the game? I guess I'll I'll ask that. Like, what's your favorite dungeon? Okay, from a thematic standpoint, the Forest Temple is my mm -hmm. favorite. I think it it makes the most sense as a dungeon in the world, where it's like this abandoned fortress, and I think the music is insanely good. Mm -hmm. um, just the the vibe and the atmosphere of the dungeon. I think they did making that the first adult dungeon that you encounter was a really good idea. Um, from a design perspective, mm -hmm. far and away, and I just replayed this game two months ago, far and away, the Water Temple is the best dungeon in the now, game. That is a hot take. If anyone knows this game, people have bitched about the Water Temple for like at least 15 years, probably more. <laughs> Where oh my gosh. Apparently where everyone has like it's like literally by scripture almost that you have to say the water temple is the worst. It's the worst temple in all of Zelda, all this like nonsense. Though I'm here to say, at least from my perspective, the water temple ain't bad. Like at the very worst, it ain't bad. It's good. It's yeah. the problem is the monotony of having to switch the iron boots on. 
And yeah, look, I, first of all, I'll say probably about 20% of those people have actually completed the water temple. Mm-hmm. Um, there are valid, there, there are two primary um, things that people refer to when they're talking about why this temple sucks so bad. <laughs> and the the first thing is what you just said the the iron boot switching thing where you've got to pause you got to select the, yeah scroll it select it and then unpause and due to the design of this dungeon you're going to be doing that pretty often yeah and so i understand why people like the 3ds remakes way of just making it an equipable item but for me I, I never really was bothered by that. I never really even was that cognizant of it until it became like this Me. widely discussed thing. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, looking back, maybe it was a little cumbersome, but it never was like when I was a kid, I was like, man, pausing the game to put, I, I never really thought about it that way, you know? Um, but mm-hmm. I get it. If we want to be, you know, critical. Sure. Um, but I, I don't know. Are we going <laughs> to condemn the whole? We're going to get to condemn the whole dungeon because of that. I, I don't think so. The other no. thing is, mm-hmm. the there's one. If you don't know, you know, traditional Zelda dungeons have keys. There's a certain amount of locked doors, and there's a certain amount of keys. And there's one key in this dungeon that is a bit tricky to find. Okay, mm-hmm. and there's been hours of discussion about this key (laughs) but but here i'm gonna tell you why it's all baloney um (laughs) if if you use the map okay every dungeon they they give you a map and they give you a compass if you use the map you know what room this key has to be in i just played this game and i can tell you it's not that hard. If you know what room it has to be in, it then you're gonna find it, right? But a lot of people they don't they don't use the map, I guess. I don't know, but no, I, I mean, yeah. I played through the game with no no guide, no YouTube playthrough or anything. I found the key. It was tricky. It's not right in front of your face. Um, but look, it. I just looked at the map and it took me five minutes. So <laughs> and those are like the two big things, right? Um, those That's why people love to hate Bitch. the water temple. Yeah. Yeah. But, it is not bad. People are so hyperbolic because they like, I feel like they had to, they had to find a negative in this game where it's like, yeah. where's the thing that make, causes the most amount of like, quote unquote headaches. And it's like, because I think people are just impatient where they're just like every other later Zelda dungeons go got a little easier. And it's like, oh, I have to actually use a map to figure things out. It's like, oh, that's right. a crazy thing. You for have some to actually people. stop and look at something and refer to something. Yeah. But look, uh, I told you why this 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 temple doesn't suck. Let me tell you why it's it's good. And yes. Why it's maybe the best is because, you know. Zelda dungeons are supposed to be like these puzzle boxes, right? It's mm-hmm. supposed to be like these giant interconnecting puzzles inside of a larger puzzle situation, right? Yeah. Where each each room is a puzzle, but then the temple 
or the dungeon as a whole is a puzzle itself, right? Mm-hmm. And there is just no other dungeon in the series that does this better than the Water Temple in Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. I think that the 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 um, water level rising and lowering mechanic is so genius, and mm-hmm. and I I I I I. I think in my tweet, I don't know what I said anymore, but I, I just don't understand how somebody can come up with this. It must have taken weeks and weeks of or more of planning to get this to work. But but the whole dungeon is this vertical pillar, and you've got to consistently lower and raise the the water level of the dungeon to access different areas of the dungeon. And part of the that which basically makes the entire thing a puzzle in itself and it's so compelling um that i i i that was the pinnacle of my playthrough um scratching my head you know figuring out what to do in this dungeon was so fun that it made some of the other dungeons in the game just feel um like estrons almost or just like uh, like half-baked but like they aren't but like I just wish that every dungeon was was as geniusly designed as the Water Temple. The Shadow <laughs> Temple comes right after the Shadow Temple, and it's it's so linear that you're like, man, I really miss roaming around in the Water Temple, you know, trying to figure out what what level does the water need to be so I can access this door to get this key and and oh man, it's just it was so fun, and I was like, man, they this just doesn't exist in, in games anymore. Like uh, just having to stop and scratch your head and be like, what do I do here? Mm-hmm. That's like, it's, it's so fun to me. And like I said, I, I mentioned earlier games. Now it's like, they want to keep a sense of momentum, a sense of motion. So games now don't have you stop and think, but the water temple is sort of the epitome of that philosophy in this game where mm-hmm. you're you're stopping and thinking and this this ominous music is playing in the background and you're stressing out but it's so fun it's like a fun stress and then when you finally click and you figure it out it's just like so euphoric that i just never want to play a modern video game again you know it's, <laughs> it's just it was so so fun and i mean as a kid it stressed me out but as an adult you know i I'd like to think I've got a few more brain cells, maybe not, but it was, it was just so fun and, and, and rewarding. And uh, I found I your just... exact post about the water temple. Okay. Yeah, you just said okay. it's the best dungeon in the series, both in terms of theme and design, the most cerebral evocative and perfectly paced level I could ever ask for in a video game. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, lo- I definitely, I understand where you're coming from. I do enjoy the water temple. I think honestly, thematically, I it's so simple, but like I really love the first temple, the first temple, which is the Deku Tree. I think it okay. as a, as an introduction to the game, it is perfect. Like Absolutely. It, I I know the Deku Tree is not hard at all. It is it is the it's the tutorial dungeon, but, but it I doesn't lo- feel like a tutorial. That's the Nintendo genius. Is like this 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 dungeon is teaching you everything you need to know. And you don't even realize that's what it's doing, you know. Yeah, I mean, when when I was a young a young spry gamer and learned, oh yeah, I have to go to the top to be able to break through the spider webs. Like that yes. blew my mind. Like 
suddenly now the game is like reactive to just a simple idea as jumping from a high distance. Like that kind of was like crazy for me to think of. Yeah. Um, I also love just thematically in uh, Jabu Jabu. Like I love the concept of a dungeon oh, just being inside a big, <laughs> a big fish. Thematically awesome, but in design, that's probably my least favorite. In yeah. I, and listen, I, I, it is simple and all that. Like, I'm not defending it on that term. I just love the setting of just Absolutely. like it's I think it's super neat. I think if I were to pick one, I would probably lean Forest Temple just because of like it's that first adult dungeon and I love the setting and I love just that location. Like I think yes. that's probably my overall favorite. Um Yeah, it just feels like a real place that that you would want to go explore, like mm-hmm. the Forest Temple and the 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 four pose that you've got to, you know, chase mm-hmm. after and everything. It's a super mm-hmm. cool like concept to that dungeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it is kind of just like a testament that like the concept of a Zelda dungeon is so like it, it's almost become like cultural in a sense where people it's like, oh yeah, Zelda games have dungeons and they're puzzle solving and you got your handful of combat here and there to kind of spruce things up. But like in terms of just like mind bending, mind scratching, uh locations i do think ocarina has probably the best overall selection of dungeons for me um i will like because really later on i can't really think of like like wind waker's dungeons are not like super memorable to me honestly like i people don't like the dungeons in that game i don't agree but but the general consensus is that that game has weak dungeons I don't yeah. think so. Like I remember the the Zora. Like I love climbing that mountain with the dragon, even though that's oh, an yeah. early that's an early one. And I love the Wind Temple too. The Wind Temple is awesome. And I know people hate Melody because you have to like position her and all that, but I love the what is it, the Earth Temple where you have to like or no, is that the light temple? I I can't remember its name, but oh, the one oh, where you have to yeah, bounce yeah. the light mirrors around. Like I like that yeah. one. Um, I, I don't agree with everybody that that hates on Wind Waker's dungeons, but um, it's a yeah, take. I, it's a take by people. It is. Um, it is another dungeon I love in the series, which I think a lot of people can agree on. I just like really think the concept is really cool. Is the um, I don't remember the name, but it's the sand one where you have the time crystal in Skyward, um, where it brings oh. brings back life. Uh, uh Nehru, that's the region oh man you stumped me talking about skyward sword um <laughs> well not many people mining can remember. facility is that Lanayru mining facility am i making that up i, I don't you, know it sounds right i just can't it's my skyward sword memory is kind of hazy Same. Be, but i remember that one specifically because that's like such a, a brilliant concept of a dungeon yeah it um, was a lot of fun um Skyward Sword, Arbiter's Grounds and uh, Twilight Princess was mm-hmm. uh, yep, really, yep, really yep. great. I will, I will say, let me hit on Twilight Princess real quick. I, I'm not the biggest fan of that game as a whole, but the dungeon design in Twilight Princess is just like immaculate. I think if it, it wasn't for me loving Ocarina's dungeons and the whole game so much, I would. The dungeon design in Twilight Princess is just so mm-hmm. good man uh, that's the the shining star of that game are the the dungeons for sure so mm-hmm. yeah i mean 
again, it kind of just speaks on the kind of magic that is Ocarina, or like, yeah, they literally like perfect, they nailed pretty much every aspect that has become Zelda tradition on their first go around with 3D, much like how they nailed it with Mario. And I mean, I think it speaks volume to like the fact that, you know, they pumped Majora out in like a year and a half, if I remember correctly. And like, you know, they already knew it's like, yep, that works. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to spice it up with a time mechanic uh, in, in spooky, scary mass. Like that's how we do it. But at its core, like Ocarina's DNA is still very present in that one. Mm-hmm. Like every, I know, I know people will be like, but actually it was in Link to the Past. I don't care. Um, Ocarina is, was the textbook of how we understand everything when it comes to Zelda link link to the past was just like the predecessor. Um, yeah, it's a retelling of link to the past, but with just way higher stakes mm-hmm. and just uh way more cinematic presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I strongly prefer Ocarina's plot to link to the past plot, but it is yeah. obviously taking direct inspiration uh, but uh, cameron you don't have to wait in, in link to the past it's instantaneous <laughs> um therefore it's automatically better yeah let's go uh, game it, game grumps mode uh, fuck that no <laughs> no we're not doing that one um <laughs> god it's ocarina is such like a i hate to use the term because it's some it, it kind of it's been done to death but it is magic in the bottle like I, what I know Miyamoto was not a director on this, but he was producer on it, and all the five directors that worked on this game. It's like to have the yeah, just have, I mean Aonuma obviously being attached to this and him being kind of like the head honcho of Zelda moving forward. Um, I guess that's also why like Zelda just you know he's like yeah I wrote the book here and I'm like. Yeah. I'm not I'm not changing the script. It's too good. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you think about Mr. A.G. Aonuma? I think that when he took over, the the series really cemented itself into what it is today. I think that um it was it was great before he took over, but he made it into this myth, you know, this mm-hmm. this untouchable thing. And his era of of, of directing, um, those are my favorite Zelda games, you know. Mm-hmm. And so something about his touch and his eye and his approach, uh, I'm just uh, I'm in love with it because you know he he made Zelda into the the version of Zelda that I love so much. Mm-hmm. So and I think mm-hmm. you do too. You you know uh, Majora and Wind Waker, Twilight Princess. I think was the last one. Yeah, so it was the last one he directed was Twilight. And, you know, you can kind of tell after he, he stepped down, you can kind of tell that things... Sky, I mean, Skyward was the one after Twilight. Yeah, I don't know. So I I think he, you know, I don't know obviously much about him. You know, Nintendo people are notoriously very private and everything. So I don't know what his like influences are or... But I can tell you that when he took over, the Zelda just really became what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. So it must he must have some major role, and he must be a really really talented guy. 
So yeah, I mean, it it is interesting. I mean, I know that the latter Zelda game, 3D Zelda, I'm speaking of, they were headed by uh, Hidemaro Fujibat Fujibayashi. Yeah, he did Skyward Breath and Tears. Which mm-hmm. is kind of funny, considering he did like the most arguably linear Zelda, and he made the two most open world Zeldas. I know, uh, really which weird. Is, um, and I guess that's another thing too. Oc- there's always there's that big split in the Zelda franchise fan fandom, whatever you want to call it, when Skyward came out, and everyone's like, "We have to buck the trend of tradition in to get back to the quote original message of Zelda." uh with the first game where it's like you could do any dungeon that you want in any order you want and that's what zelda should be at its core like you know going on an adventure at your own pace and your own your own whim and i don't know how i know you 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 shared your opinions of like tear we both did on tears and breath before we got into ocarina but i feel like people must have gotten misguided in that approach because like yeah the original zelda like you can do it but it's not recommended um (laughs) at least i don't think it is like you're telling me you want to do dungeon eight you know on your first go around like good luck you're gonna be in a world of pain that's true i mean Um, some people like pain but I think yeah, they had there, good intentions. Yeah, there, there's a whole game series based off pain. It's called the Dark Souls <laughs> yeah, franchise. That's it. I think they had good intentions uh, with with wanting. I think it became they saw it as becoming too formulaic, and Nintendo, as we know, is all about innovation and mm-hmm. pushing things forward. And I totally respect them for that. And that's how we've gotten a lot of great games from them is that philosophy um but um i don't know i don't know if their good intentions really ended up i think in the process of that they strayed too much from the heart and soul of the franchise Mm -hmm. and i mean they may have created on paper two incredible games with breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom but i think what they left behind is 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 something that resonated with so many gamers for a long time and and i i think it's hard to balance for nintendo innovation and tradition and Mm -hmm. and i i don't think ultimately they really hit the nail on the head with the new games um because i think they left too much behind i think the soul of the series is just not really there in the way that i'd like it to be anymore um but yeah. i can't like i said I, I i can't blame them they they you know they made the same basically the same game four or five times and they wanted to try something else i i, get I, it, but... I can't yeah i can't fault them for making breath of the wild because yeah i think like many such examples a little bit of change is always good for something as long running as Zelda. Like, but I think that people resonate with the Ocarina time formula so much because it is such a welcoming and such a great formula. Like, 
of starting off small as like this, you know, av- you know, seemingly average ordinary boy with pointy ears and a green tunic cap. And suddenly you're now thrusted into a world that is much larger than you, you as a player and you as Link could ever have imagined. You know, the world is bigger than your own backyard, in a sense. Which is, you know, tried and true to what Miyamoto envisioned when he made Zelda. It's like, it was based off his adventures as a kid growing up in, like, exploring sewers and, you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think that's why I think people always kind of yearn for the old, the, the you know, the old, because I think it always just will have a time it's it's in the same way why we all still read like classic greek literature and roman stories what have you because they all still kind of resonate to who we are as people and society whatever you want to call it or whatever you want to like attribute that to and i think that's why ocarina is so that ocarina formula is so timeless and so revered is that like it's in a way that Zelda has become like a Greek legend in of itself where it's a Greek legend for gaming and you see it now in so many different adventure games. And I think it kind of speaks when we, we did our break, I looked on my timeline and apparently Awanuma commented on people asking for a remake of, of Ocarina, like a modern remake. Yeah. And all he said was no comment. Um, Perfect answer. Um, But I guess what I'm trying to get at is like Ocarina in a sense has like become like a it's become literally as we were saying earlier it's become this sort of myth this classic myth that we now honestly kind of just look back towards. And we kind of go back to when we want like clarity in what a game should be. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's kind of, I don't like, we, there obviously are games that kind of become that, where they become mythological, whether it's a franchise or a specific game. For example, like today is like the 30th anniversary of Doom. And Doom is like a game that I think has that sort of status, you know, where it's, people look back to it for like what they think games should be and how games were always, you know, you know, that's the magic of this medium as a whole. It's like a game like doom or Ocarina of time or like final fantasy seven or metal gear solid or more that I can't think off of the top of my head, but I think it's the magic it's the it's the like unique magic of this medium is that like once a game has been mythological i can't i'm i have holes in my brain um <laughs> may like when a game has ascended from great to legendary yeah that like we now revere it and look back to it and ask if we ask the game for guidance now absolutely it, it's kind of a special thing cuz you don't see that a lot anymore. Like we, we, and then that's, you know, if you want to say that's just the games, you know, falling off or whatever, you know, that's a topic for another day, I think. But, you know, I, 
wish I was a little bit older so I could have experienced all these like amazing games in this like five year period, like from ninety from ninety five to two thousand, where where the literal rules and ways we understand this medium were being crafted right before our eyes. Yeah, like goddamn, like I'm so jealous of. Uh, some of my guests who are a little bit older than me. Trust me, I am jealous that you got to experience this. I am so jealous. I feel lucky. I I got a bit of it. Um, how how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Okay, I'm thirty two. So, I got you know the tail end of you know I really really started getting hardcore you know ninety seven ninety eight when this game out game came out and so I'm I'm lucky to have have experienced some of this stuff when it mm-hmm. came out and it's still. I hold it in such high regard. I mean, I, 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 this is still to me, this is like the peak. So, mm-hmm. um, and and I completely understand it. Now, is it my peak? Probably not. I'm still on a quest to find my own peak gaming game. You know what I mean? Because yeah, I'm such a centrist where it's like I can see peak in everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but That's I can, great though. That's yeah, a good thing. And. But I, the point I guess I'm trying to say is I understand why Ocarina is talked about why, like as it is. I understand why people view this game as highly as they do. And I understand the, pun intended, legend of it. I understand it completely. And I, I 100%, you know, honestly, now since uh, we've gone through a decade of Breath of the Wild and Tears, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to saying Ocarina is the best game of all yeah. time, you know, hyperbolically speaking. Um, we had our experiment. We're back to we're back to the fundamentals. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the at really all I can say to kind of wrap this whole thing together, because there's only so much you can say about Ocarina without just saying, go play it like it you can get it off the eShop, you know, through the power of like Nintendo emulation. It's not perfect, but it it'll do. Um, you can easily emulate it off your PC now. Like you don't even need that powerful of a computer to emulate N64 games, trust me. Um just you have to play it. This is like a game, it's like a it's like that list of movies that you have to see before you die, sort of thing. This is a game you have to play before you die. Like yeah. Otherwise, and you're it, not going to understand a lot of things. And you know, uh, if you're one of those people who is lucky enough to play this as a kid, you know, um, just you know, remember those days. And remember how it made you feel when you first played it, and and where you were, and and you know how far you've come. And this, I think, the theme of this game is is growing up and you know we've all grown up i've grown up since i first played this game um but um if you'll indulge me i want to quote a line from the game and please do Sheik at one point um says to link the flow of time is always cruel its speed seems different for each person no one no one can change it but a thing that doesn't change with time is a memory of younger days and I feel like when I play this game, I'm putting the re- the weight and the responsibility of adulthood down, and I'm right back to 
the innocence of my childhood. And so in a way, this is my way to time travel back to those days, just like Link does in the game. So I think it, it it's kind of beautiful in that way. So. Yeah, I think that's beautifully put. And I think that's where we will say stop.